Right. How many brought your Bible with you? Or some type of electronic Bible or something like that? Good. If you didn't, maybe you're new with us today. Uh, we'll have these scriptures and things that we want to look at today on the screen behind me as well to help you out. Praise God. Uh, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we just love you today. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the Word of God. It is life to us now. Speak to us by your Spirit and through your Word, we pray, that we might be more conformed unto your perfect will, plan, and your image in every way. Thank you for the work of God in our lives now. We yield ourselves to you as vessels that you can use and flow through. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go to John 15 today. I began a new series of messages a couple weeks ago that I call Picked to produce. Picked to produce. So let's get into some more of this stuff today and uh, believe for good things to happen. John 15 and verse 16, Jesus speaking here said, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father, in my name, He may give you. And so we can see clearly from the Word of God that it is the Lord's plan that we be fruit bearers, all right? Is it okay for a child of God, for a Christian to not produce or bear fruit? That's not okay. Why is it not? Well, it's because when you're created or designed or even chosen for a particular purpose, not fulfilling that purpose means there's something wrong. Amen. Just like we might buy something. We go go to the store and buy something to use for a certain task. You know, you buy a tool, you buy a piece of equipment for the function that it's supposed to serve. If it doesn't work, it's not okay with you. You know, well, it's a nice ornament. Well, no, that's not why you bought it. Didn't buy, you didn't buy it to look at. You bought it for its function. All right. And the Lord has invested in us, has changed our lives so that we could bear fruit. Again, I want to say what I've said, but the Lord just doesn't produce apples or create apples. He creates trees that create apples. Right. Uh, the Lord just doesn't produce fruit in many regards in the earth. He produces People. He creates people. He made you and me in such a way where we could reflect who He is. Where His very life and nature and all that He stands for would come out of our lives. We get to be involved in the process. We get rewarded for being involved in the process. And He's glorified by looking at us and seeing something that came from Himself. And something that comes through our lives. And so it is absolutely God's plan. And going to church is not the same as bearing fruit. Okay, let's be real clear in our minds about what this means. This is not just about, well, uh, you know, I'm saved. I know, but there should be fruit of our salvation. There needs to be there needs to be some evident results, and and uh, and again, fruit from the change that has taken place on the inside of each and every one of us. Okay, and one of these things we can see right from the scripture is he put us in in a relationship with himself to where we can ask him. For anything and he'll give it to us and that's right in the connection of bearing fruit let's go over to mark uh mark's gospel chapter 11 mark the 11th chapter 
It's my favorite name, Mark. Does anybody agree? Mark? <laughs> Do we have any other Marks in the house? <laughs> With a K, that is. <laughs> Mark chapter 11 and verse 12. It says, Now the next day, when he had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. Now this is Jesus he's talking about here. Jesus got hungry. Did you know that Jesus got hungry? What does that show to us? That he, he was operating as a man, wasn't he? He wasn't, he wasn't walking around as, as God. He was walking around as man. And if you're a man, can I hear some grunts? You get hungry. <laughs> Jesus can feel your pain. Hungry. <laughs> And verse 13, and seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, in, in, in re what? <laughs> in response. It's almost like the tree was talking to him. It was, in a matter of speaking. Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. And he went on to say, he went on to teach them a faith lesson because they came back and they saw that the tree had died. And Jesus taught them about the power of their words. But think about this fig tree for a moment. Here we got this fig tree. And people have wondered about this. Why did Jesus kill the fig tree when it wasn't even the season for figs? Well, it's because that tree had leaves. Do you notice it mentioned the leaves a couple times? What, what, what do the leaves mean? Well, obviously, the leaves mean figs, means fruits. And here Jesus is hungry, and he sees, oh, look, 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 there's a fig tree over there. And what's the fig tree doing? It's saying, figs, 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 waving its leaves. Because you can see the leaves from a far away, and you know if a tree has, has leaves, it's got to have figs on it and that tree is saying figs 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 he believed it he believed the lying tree and it was a lying tree figs he went over there hungry thinking hmm, hmm. He had that something on the inside growling figs he went up there nothing no figs at all so what did he do he killed it Spoke to the tree, removed it from the planet. Worthless, good for nothing, lying, lack of fig producing tree, had to go. Amen. And it even says he responded to it. So I know the tree was lying to him. Figs, figs, and yet it had none. Here's a principle here, though. Everyone see where we're going? Because we're not here to talk about trees, really. I don't know if you're good with trees, bad with trees, you have gardens, all that kind of stuff. We're talking about life. There is a problem when something is yelling out, I'm a this, I'm a this, I'm a this. I've got something, I've got something. I'm the real thing, I'm producing. But you get up close and there's nothing there. That's not acceptable in the, in the kingdom of God. It should not be acceptable in our lives to be fake, to be phony baloney, to be saying one thing on the outside. But when you get up close... 
There's nothing really there. Something very distasteful when, about something that looks like a fruit bear from a distance, but you get up close and there's nothing to share. It's a turnoff to the world. It's a label with nothing in the can. It's carrying the name of a Christian, but not being the real thing. We don't need any phony baloney Christians. We need those who will represent Jesus in a genuine, authentic way. Where we look from a distance. Yeah? Like we live for God. Like we serve Him. But you know what? When you get up close, it even becomes more real. Yeah, this person's the real deal here. This person's the real thing. There's something really happening here. They, actually, they, re- they really have something that I need. And uh, you know, there's a word that Jesus used from time to time and spoke rather sternly concerning those who this, whom this word describes. That's the word hypocrite. A, a hypocrite, the Greek word is an actor. They're playing a role. They're playing a part. They're not the real thing but they're putting on a facade. They're acting like a certain thing. And they didn't get the kindest, you know, reception. They're the ones that needed to be corrected, needed to be rebuked. There's nothing fake about God at all. There's nothing phony. There is no facade. There is no lie about Him. He is absolute truth and light. And when something is yelling, I'm a this, I'm a this, I'm a this, but when you get up close, it's not real, that's not acceptable. It should not be acceptable with us. We need to be the real thing. You know, if you go to Disneyland, you know, how many know you, how many of you have ever been to Disneyland before or Disney World? All right. And, uh, you know, you go and you walk up, walk up Main Street. How many know you're not dodging uh, dumpsters? <laughs> You know, you're not seeing a bunch of junk everywhere. You're not seeing you're not seeing all the behind the scenes stuff. You're not seeing all the mechanical and machinery and all the things that that um, are necessary to make that place run as best as they know how. They hide everything, and you're walking in there, and it feels like everything's perfect and clean, and everything's just right. Because, well, I mean, they're doing that for a good reason, but they're putting on a face. You don't see everything. They, you see only what they want you to see. And you think, man, this place is perfect. <laughs> this place is amazing. It's the happiest place on earth. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but when it comes to our lives, we definitely want to put our best foot forward. But you know what? We need to have the same thing behind the scenes. So if someone gets very close to us, they get confirmation that we're the real deal. They get confirmation, yeah, what this person has Man, it's the real thing. It's not just uh, a show. There are a lot of people that can put on a good show, but our lives really being changed. Do we really have substance? Do we really have something that is life-changing? What is the fruit of a Christian life? What evidence is there that God is in you? I'm talking evidence. I believe in evidence. I believe if, you know... It's been said before that, you know, using this analogy, that if you were put in court and you were put on trial, would there be enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian? <laughs> you know, and that's a, that's a challenging thought, but there ought to be if it's, the re, if it's the real thing. How do others benefit from you being saved? You know, I have a friend who worked at this company for a, for several years, there was a there was a number of guys, a handful of guys that worked there, 
uh, that he, he was telling me about that it worked there for a number of years. And when that was coming to a close and one, one of them was, was leaving, one of these guys came to a friend of mine and, and he was not a Christian, this guy. He, he was not a believer. But he told him, he said, I've been watching you for all these years. He said, I've been watching. He named three guys. He said, I've been watching so-and-so. He, he said, he's a Jehovah's Witness. He said, I was, I've been watching so-and-so. And they all knew each other well and they worked together. I watched so-and-so. He said, he's Mormon. I've been watching you. And he just came and told him. He said, I've been watching you. He said, that guy, he called his name. He said, he doesn't have anything. He said, he said this guy, he said, he didn't have anything. He said, I've been watching you. What You, you have something. And he, said, he told him, he said, if I ever go to church, I'm going to find a church like yours. Because what you have is real. And that was not, a, not because he preached to him, not because of a, a, a message given. Just over time, not a few months or a few weeks, over years, he, this guy was watching. How many know people are watching us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are people that are not in here today. They're not, and not just in here, but not in the family of God today. But they know people who are. And they're watching us. And we've got to be producing the real thing. The genuine article. It's got to be coming out of us to the point that people can see what it is. Let's go to John 13. Let me show you some more here. If you were to read, continue on from our text in verse 17, you see that he, of, of chapter 15, he immediately started talking about love. In John 13, verse 34, Jesus says here, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have also loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Isn't that a powerful statement? How are people going to know that we're different? How are people going to know that there's something real happening in us? He said it's going to happen because of your love life, because of your love walk. It's going, to be ha- it's going to happen because of the love of God in you. This is one of the main things that is that would be called f- the fruit of our righteousness. The fruit of, Galatians says, fruit of the Spirit. It is fruit that is born because of our connectivity with God. Something now is coming out of us and it's called the love of God. And that's the key element to winning the world. We live in a selfish world. We live in a backstabbing world. And for someone to operate in the true love of God is attractive. It is desirable. You know, the scripture says in Psalm 34 and verse 8, many know this verse. It says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How do we taste God? How do we see Him? How am I going to taste the Lord and see the Lord and come away saying, God is good? Well, I tell you one of the main ways, because I I can't taste Him directly. (laughs) You know, I can't see the Lord directly. But what I see is the branch. What I see is what comes out of Him, and that is His offspring. That is His people, those who have been born again. How are people in the world going to taste God? They're going to taste the fruit. 
they're going to look at the results or the fruit that is coming out of those who are connected to God. How are people going to see the Lord? They're going to see me. They're going to see you. And I need to make sure, to the best of my ability, that when people look at me as a representative of God, that they get a clear picture of what He is really like and who He really is. I don't want to go away. I don't want people to go away from me with a bad taste in their mouth towards God. Have you ever known someone? Of course, it wasn't you ever or me. Have you ever known someone who waved a big fat banner that they were a Christian? I mean, they, they were bold to proclaim it. In one sense, you applaud that because too many Christians are quiet, I think. We don't say enough. We're not bold enough. We're just kind of me and God. But some have waved, the, they waved their leaves. <laughs> Saved, I'm a Christian, yay, come serve my God. And you went up there and you thought, oh. <laughs> and you wanted to tell them, uh, could you not tell so many people that you're a Christian? <laughs> would you just keep that down? Why would you say that? Because the fruit was kind of bad. You know, the apples were all bruised. The fruit didn't look desirable so that when someone partook of their life, they didn't come away desiring God more. I've heard it said, I don't want it to be said about me, even though none of us would want this, and you don't have to take it 100% serious because people will say things just to hurt you at times, but I don't want it to ever be said about me that that if that's what a real Christian is, I don't want to be one. That could hurt, right? I want to do my best to represent God in a real way. Where if they see me, they see Him who sent me. And it doesn't mean we have to be flawless and perfect in all of our ways, but we must be genuine. I want people to, I want people to go away from, from us saying they have something. They have something real there. And this is the fruit that is born out of a changed life. Let's not get in the habit of giving people what they deserve. Well, you deserved it. (laughs) So here you go. Well, how many of us in here deserve all the blessings and forgiveness and love and glories of God? How, how, How many deserve that? How many, how many kind of slid in through mercy and grace? And you would say, I didn't deserve it, man. I've blown it. I've been stupid. I've been stiff-necked. I've been hard of heart at times. But God, in His great mercy and grace, accepted me, changed me. Let's get in a habit of doing that towards others. Find someone who's a jerk. Make it your goal. I mean, it's not too hard to find. And bless them real good. Find someone who's mean and be nice to them. What is that? That's how they know that we're different. Everyone else is so upset and can hardly contain themselves. And they're ranting and raving and complaining and fussing. And there we are. And there's something different. Something. There's a different motivation. There's a different substance to our lives. Find someone who's who's mean, find someone who's ugly and just be, be a blessing to them. 
Find satisfaction in being nice to someone who doesn't deserve it. And you will have experienced what God has done towards you. Amen. Let's go over to Matthew chapter 7. How many understand the difference between mercy and grace? Sometimes we say those words together, but they really, it's a, an amazing contrast of what they are. You know, mercy is when someone doesn't get what they deserve. God had mercy on us, and now we don't get what we deserve. Separation from God. Curse, sickness, poverty, you know, hell. It's the mercy of God. But you know what grace is? Grace gives people what they don't deserve. In other words, the Lord just didn't save us from destruction and leave us. No, He said, now I want to add to you, and I want to give you life everlasting. I want to give you life forever, and I want to give you the glories of heaven. I want to give you the blessing of, of, of my spirit in this life. Amen. And th- this is the way that we need to act. Someone does you wrong, mercy. Someone doesn't do anything to deserve something good, grace. Bless them anyway. You know, as your flesh swings around, you pull out a 20. Say, bless you. <laughs> Matthew chapter 7 verse 15 Jesus wrote here or said here uh, beware of false prophets is that true for us in our day should we beware of false prophets is that, that's, that a real thing yeah, yeah a lot of people speaking in the name of the Lord a lot of people saying this is what God is saying a lot of people proclaiming boldly what uh, they ought not be proclaiming and you got to be aware you got uh, you got to watch out if we we're going to be aware of a dog uh, even more important, be aware of false prophets. Amen. Amen. And the, and the rapture's not happening in May either. In case you want to know. <laughs> beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Notice, notice the difference. Outside they look one way. Inside, they're another way. Is that acceptable with the Lord? That's a problem. Doesn't like the tree doing it. (laughs) Doesn't like you doing it. Doesn't like me doing it. He said, this is what a false prophet looks like. They got a facade. They're fake. They look good on the outside. It's all about show. It's all about externals. We need to be much more mature than to fall for these kind of things. All right? A lot of times people today, they're just dazzled by the external. There's something... Greater, it's called the anointing. It's called the Spirit of God. It's called a changed life. He said, verse 16, you will know them by their fruits. Well, that's an easy answer. How many want to be discerning? I mean, you, want, you don't want to be gullible. You want to be able to see through the smoke. This is the easy answer. So I'm just praying for discernment. Just look at the fruit. If you'll look at the fruit, you'll, you'll know what kind of tree it is. He said, do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, or can a bad tree bear good fruit? Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Whenever you're analyzing, whenever you're endeavoring to discern right from wrong, good from bad, of God, of the devil, of flesh, of man... Look at the fruit. You know, like the old lady at Wendy's. 
who was... <laughs> Remember, where's the beef? Anyone watch the commercials in the 80s? All right, it's a while ago. Where's the beef? Where's the fruit? It's a good question for us. Where's the fruit? Got a big show, got a lot to say. Where's the fruit? The fruit is what tells me what's really happening here. Not just the external, not the flappy leaves. The fruit. Amen. We should not be easily deceived. If I were looking... If I wasn't a pastor and, you know, had a really, really good church. (laughs) If I were looking for a church and looking for a place to go and take my family, I wouldn't just make a decision based upon the preaching or teaching, nor would I make a decision just simply based on the music or the kids program or or other factors, Um, the building. (laughs) Not, not counting the last one, I would look at all those things. I would consider all these things. But one, one of the things I would look for is I would look at people. And I would look in their face. And, I, and not just one or two, but I would try to have a conversation with people that have been there for a while. And I want to see what's in their face. I don't know if you can ever identify with this. Or if you've experienced this. But sometimes just in being around a person, you can tell if they have something. And I'm not talking about judging someone's eternal salvation. But I'm talking about if you are influenced by a certain um, church, minister, uh, group of people on an ongoing basis, it's going to take you one way or the other. And if I saw... That a vast majority of the people just looked like they were lifeless. Looked like they lacked purpose or joy. And they didn't have the joy of the Lord in their life. Didn't have, it's, it's almost hard to put in words because it's not a facial characteristic. You know, they've got different things going. No, it's something that I can't really describe so much. But some, you can get around certain people and you know there's something there. There is a spirit of life in them. There, there is something happening in, there, in them that I desire. I want it to be in me and my wife and my kids. I, I want to experience this. And I think sometimes we fall into a trap where we judge everything externally. And I'm not saying again. I mean, would I be looking at the teaching and preaching and the music and all? Absolutely I would. But I want to be a little bit deeper than that as well. What am I looking for? What am I looking for? Fruit. I want to see the fruit of that place. I want to see the fruit of that ministry and, those, and the things that are taking place. Because if it's just a great entertainment, uh, that's not life. If it's just a great program, that's not life. I, again, not to take away from the first. But we must have substance. There must be changed lives. I must be able to see, over a period of time anyway, I must be able to see someone whose life was at a certain level and now it's higher. The lost are being saved, the sick are being healed, lives are being changed, and God is moving in that place. Our lives are not all about just trying to produce something, but it is about staying connected to the vine, to Jesus. Then we naturally produce what we're supposed to. It comes out of us. We still yield. The Lord deals with us. Remember, He's dealing with all of us. He's dealing with us now. How? 
He cleans us up by His, by His Word. Even this message today, what are we doing? We're, we're, we're saying things that are coming from the Lord so that we get trimmed up. We get pruned. We get cleaned so we bear more fruit. We have to yield to that. Let's look over at, uh, at Luke 6, just a pretty, pretty close there. Hop over Mark. Stop at Luke. This is the same topic, Luke's account of Jesus' teaching, but he adds a little bit more that, uh, um, to the same subject of barren fruit, of you shall know them by their fruits. 6.45, he said, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. His what? His mouth speaks. When your heart is sufficiently influenced by God, good things will come out of your mouth. That's just the that's one of the natural ways that we're going to bear fruit. If you can't if you're a believer now, you can look back and identify the time when you, got, when you got saved. If you can't identify a pretty dramatic change in your speech, in the things that you say, I'd say there needs to be a whole bunch of going on. One of the big characteristics of a changed heart is a changed mouth. And I'm not just solely talking, I'm not just talking about I used to cuss and now I don't cuss anymore. And uh, I think that's a good thing if you stop cussing. All right. But that's not what I'm just talking about. There should be, because you might not have been a cusser before. Not all heathens cuss. Right? But there should be a big change in the things that you allow to come out of your mouth. We all have thoughts, but when we when we get saved, we need to change our speech. Christianity has been called the great confession. And because, why? We, well, we confess the lordship of Jesus and we're saved, right? But then from there, before we are connected to the vine, we grow all kinds of fruit. And I'm talking verbal fruit here. We say things that are ungodly. We say things that um, are we should avoid now. We say things that are negative, that are condemning. We say things that um, really bring death to our lives. And, and I noticed this as the Lord started to trim me up or as I started to yield to the vine dresser years ago, one of the first things he got to was my mouth. And when I started plugging in and staying connected to the vine full time, there's a lot of things I just couldn't say anymore. A lot of things that were a normal part of my vocabulary, and I realized Jesus never talked like this. He never spoke like this, and yet Christians galore let all kinds of junk come out of their mouth, and it's a hindrance to them producing godly fruit. That's why it's one of the areas we've got to clean up. What am I talking about? A lot of it is just talking death. It's, it's speaking sickness and depression and doubt and lack and I can't afford and I'm broke and I got this, this. And it's just people spew all kinds of things out of their mouth that they really shouldn't. The Lord never said that to you. He never promised you that. And so, and so uh, you know, people get in a habit. I'm, I'm surprised by how many Christians Facebook their sicknesses. Yeah, it's their post for the day. I feel bad. I'm feeling under the weather. 
I just want to say, grr. <laughs> really? Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I don't condemn them because they're going through a physical struggle, but why are you laying claim to it and taking ownership of it, being proud of it? You want to proclaim it. I'd rather glorify God than glorify the devil. Yeah. Huh? And they proclaim all their problems and all this and all their complaints and everything. It's like, I thought you were saved. <laughs> That's the wrong kind of fruit coming out of us. And, and I'm not making this up. Jesus connected our mouth to this whole, you shall know them by their fruits things. The difference is thoughts come, but we've learned to say certain things and not say other things. Amen. How many know a mature believer does not talk a lot about their feelings? They're not big, I feel this, I feel that, I don't feel comfortable here. (laughs) Well, you're a baby, honking baby. When you get to a place of maturity, you start living by principle, you live by decision, you live by the word of God, you have feelings, you just don't let them govern you. That's just not the focus of your conversation. I feel this, I feel (laughs) Everybody okay today? Amen. Someone made a mistake one time of asking Smith Wigglesworth how he felt. He was a man of God years ago that's in heaven now. I say they made a mistake because when I heard the story, I guess he was pretty, pretty rough with them. And he, told, he said very clear, he said, I do not ask Smith Wigglesworth how he feels. I tell him. <laughs> oh. But listen, he was a man of faith. And he's known Many years after his passing, as an example of someone who knew how to lay hold of the things of God. And one of his keys is he didn't live by his feelings. He didn't magnify them. But that's one of the signs of a, you know, someone who's carnal, as the Bible would say, carnal or immature. Uh, but let's, let's grow up. What do you say? A mature tree will produce better fruit, more fruit. And the Lord's helping us to see this. Let's finish in 1 Peter chapter 2 today. And so when our heart, again, is sufficiently influenced by God, it will change our mouth. Change your heart. Change your mouth. Change the fruit that's coming out of your life. We're always yielding to something. The flesh, the spirit. Let's give ourselves to the right things. Oh, and what a difference it will make as the people of this world see our God through the change in our lives. We're just so much nicer to be around. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. Now, who's the Gentiles? Uh, don't just think non-Jew. We're in a new covenant now, so that would be people outside the covenant of God. All right? Heathens, sinners, those who are not saved yet. Have your conduct honorable among them. Among them. That means we're, not, we're, we're supposed to be mingling with the world. We stay in communion. We're not hiding out. Right? We're not going to hunker down. Hide out. Have a little commune. Don't want to be infected by the world and all their stuff. No, no, no. 
we're supposed to live among. We're saved. We live for God in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. He said that when they speak against you, get ready, when they speak against you as evildoers, well, why would they call us an evildoer? Well, because we don't do what they want. We don't live our lives according to their system. We have, we have set standards, and some of those standards rub them the wrong way. You know, they'll call, call us hateful, they'll call us evildoers, whatever. So we'll be accused. Welcome to the club. <laughs> when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your words that you tell them, Oh, excuse me. By your good works, which you told them about. Right? Which you blogged about and let them know all the good things you are doing for God, how your life is so amazing. No. By your good works, which they observe, they'll glorify God the day of visitation. That's a powerful statement. That they have to see my fruit. They have to see the results of God in my life. They see my good works. And then when God shows up, they'll give him glory. And these are the same people that were calling us bad guys. That were calling us all this other stuff. They accused us. They falsely accused us. But we live honorably. And we live right. And we glorify God. We live honestly. It doesn't mean we never make a mistake. But we're the real thing. We change when we need to. But we let him influence our heart to, to the degree that when they get close enough, they can't say anything else against us because they know, man, he has something. And then God shows up. God visits them. And when God visits them in their life, what do they, what's the hinge point here? What's the, the, the determining factor as to where they'll, whether they'll receive him or reject him? God shows up and they think about us. God moves on their heart and they think of all the Christians they know. And he says, if they will have observed some good things in you, when God visits them, now they're open. God visits them, now they'll accept. Now they'll give their life to him. We are a big part of this thing. Someone says, I don't really want to be. (laughs) You know, some days I don't want to (laughs) be. But the thing is, we are representing God in the earth and they are going to taste and see him through us verse 15 says for this is the will of God that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men by doing what by doing good not just by being good not just by being saved not by being forgiven but by doing something good you shut their mouth when they talk when they talk against you This is honorable to God. He goes on to say in verse 19, This is commendable if because of conscience toward God one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. Talking about persecution here. People doing us wrong. Uh, Verse 20, For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. You know, and sometimes people, sometimes this can happen even with Christians. They, they act rude, they're mean, they, they're not kind and not generous. And people attack them for it and they say, oh, they're just attacking me because I'm a Christian. Well, no, they're not. You're just rude. <laughs> huh? Let's make sure if we are getting 
persecuted or someone comes against us in any way, that it's for a good reason? Huh? Make sure it's for a good reason. He said, in that, if you're being attacked because of your stand for the Lord or because of your commitment to, to righteousness and holiness and living for the Word, he said, that's commendable in the sight of God. That you get an attaboy from the Lord for that. But not just because we're suffering for our own deal, for our own mistakes, our own errors. Amen? God wants us, we know this, to bear much fruit. And I'm convinced on the inside today, and have been for a few, a number of weeks now, I'm convinced that the Lord is helping us, our church. I don't know what He's doing other places, probably great things. But He's helping our church to become more productive and more fruitful. How's he doing that? (laughs) Knocking some things off that are in the way of us being fully productive and fruitful here for him. More fruit, same effort. Much more fruit, same time. Same amount of time as before. Things are increasing. There's an increased move of the Spirit of God in us corporately. And I know that happens in us individually as well. It's both apart. Let's receive of the Lord today. What do you say? Let's let the Lord talk to us. Let's let the Lord work through us and together. And we're going to do something that's going to last forever. Oh, fruit that remains, that glorifies God. Praise God. Father, we just thank you today. We love you today. Thank you for your divine influence upon our hearts. Thank you that through the connection that we have with the vine, your life flows through us. And naturally now, naturally we produce good things. Naturally the love of God comes out of us, is shown to the world, is demonstrated before all mankind that they might taste and see that you are good. Thank you, Lord, for doing a work in our hearts, for helping our minds be renewed and our lives be changed for your glory forever and ever, forever and ever, forever and ever. We'll be thankful for what is happening today and what is happening now. We give place to you. We yield ourselves to you. So that you can work through to do great things. Thank you for working in our hearts today. We receive, oh, thank God, we receive everything you're saying, everything you're doing. Yielded vessels we are. We thank you for it. Father, I pray.